Hello and welcome to our service today, the 12th of March 2023. Quite appropriately this week, in the week of International Day of Women, we're looking at the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Lots of great lessons in that. But let's celebrate the coming of a new day with the old hymn sung by Cat Stevens, Morning Has Broken. Lord for this new day. Thank you that the same day that dawns on us is the day that dawned over Eden. 
the same sun, the same light, the same God, the same presence. And just as you walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, in the days before they fell, so Lord, we ask you to walk with us today in the days after you have restored broken humanity through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the refreshment that you bring us as we spend time with you. Thank you for the truth of your word which we can explore and the certainty that you will give water to those who thirst. Amen. We pick up that theme of refreshment which is going to come up again and again as we listen to and sing the hymn Down the Mountain the river flows.
So rather than a Bible reading today, we're having a story telling the account of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman. It's written from the woman's point of view. I'm not going to try and put on a female voice because that might sound a little bit strange. So you'll just have to take it as it is. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. Hello everyone. I'm a woman from Samaria and I want to tell you about the time I met Jesus. It was noon and I was out getting some water from the well. I always went to get water at noon because I knew it was too hot for any of the other women to come to get water at that time. You see, I didn't want any of the other women to see me at the well because I knew they'd make fun of me. I was kind of the bad girl in town. Anyway, I went to get some water in my bucket from the well and this man, Jesus, was sitting there. He asked me if I would give him a drink from the well. I could see that he was Jewish, an Israelite, and I, of course, was a Samaritan. So I was surprised when he talked to me. Jewish people and Samaritans don't get along very well. And they never talk to each other unless they have to. So I said, why are you asking me to get you a drink? You're not even supposed to talk to me. Then he said that if I knew who he was and if I knew the gift that God wanted to give me, I would have asked him to give me a drink. Because, he said, people who drink the water from the well will always get thirsty again. But I can give people living water, the spirit, that will fill you up forever and give you eternal life in heaven. So I said, OK, then give me some of that water. I thought he was joking, so I was joking back with him. But then he said, go get your husband and come back, then I'll give you the living water. I felt bad then because I didn't have a husband and that's what I told Jesus. But he said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've been married five times and now you're living with a man you're not even married to. I didn't know how Jesus knew that about me. I knew it was bad of me to have had so many husbands and now to be living with somebody else. But I was just so amazed that Jesus could know that. Sir, I said, you must be a prophet. Tell me, where am I supposed to worship God? Can I worship God here in Samaria or do I have to go to the temple in Jerusalem? He said, it doesn't matter where you worship God, but when you do worship him, you have to worship him in your spirit and in truth. You have to mean it in your heart when you worship God. Then I said, I know that the Saviour's coming sometime. When he gets here, he'll explain everything to us. Then he said, I am the Saviour. I knew he was right. I could tell that he was the Saviour, so I dropped my water bucket on the ground and ran back into town. I didn't care who saw me now or whether they made fun of me for being bad or not. I just ran around the village knocking on people's doors and telling them that I'd found the saviour. All the people from my village came out to the well to meet Jesus then and a lot of them believed in him. That was the day I met Jesus and it was the best day of my life. Met the woman at the well. Jesus met the woman at the 
met the woman at the well, and he told her everything she'd ever done. He said, Woman, woman, where is your husband? She said, Master, Master, I ain't got no husband. She said, Master, Master, I ain't got no husband. She said, Master, Master, I ain't got no husband. He done told her. don't know if yet you've come across something that's in the news a lot just over the last few weeks. It's something called Chatbot. And it's an artificial intelligence machine that you can ask questions of and get really uh, full answers. It's causing serious problems for universities, schools, colleges, because basically a student can just type the question in and get a completely uh, written out answer to the question, which is submissible and is in actually 
really good English from what I've seen as well. Uh, I wonder if it'll put preachers out of business. So I typed into chatbot, what are the lessons from the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman? I promise you this whole sermon doesn't derive from that, but it was fascinating to read what came out. It was actually spot on. The lessons were, first of all, God's love and grace is for everyone. Secondly, Jesus knows us intimately. And thirdly, true worship is in spirit and truth. Finally, we are called to share the good news. Uh, I'm quite pleased that I'd already thought about and, and outlined this message before I read that because it would have been seriously tempting to just read what it said. might actually be better than what I've got to say. But let's pick up that theme. Let's think about what are the lessons from this story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And the first lesson is Jesus welcomes everyone. The context of this, of course, was a Samaritan and a woman and a woman who was known as uh, a sinner, as, as you would put it. The Samaritans, you may know, were always pretty dubious in the eyes of the Jews. The history of this is that the northern part of Israel was the first one to be taken into exile and to be resettled with foreigners way back in Old Testament times. And the net result was that there was quite a mixed sort of worship there. Interestingly, Samaritan worship still persists to this day in some uh, mountainous parts of what was Palestine. I suppose it's in Lebanon and Jordan now. But they still maintain the same traditions and the same uh, idea that Samaria was the, the place where you, where you worship God. Quite fascinating, really. But you'll know that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have dealings with one another. Uh, that, of course, is why the parable of the good Samaritan was so powerful. We lose that in our general terminology nowadays because we just have the expression, a good Samaritan. And we don't think what would, would have been almost <laughs> an oxymoron to the Jewish people then. How could you be good and be a Samaritan? The two terms are mutually exclusive. So Jesus talked to a Samaritan and he talked to a woman. Now again, Jewish teachers were very, very careful not to have any dealings with women for obvious reasons in terms of reputation and stuff, but there was more to it than that. Uh, there was this sense that women, just by their very nature, were not able to understand truth, were not able to, to know things and to, uh, to, to enter into discussions and, and enter into learning. That, of course, is why it's so remarkable when you read later on in, in the story in the Gospel where Jesus was at the house of Mary and Martha and uh, 
Martha was running around doing everything and Mary was sitting at the seat, at the feet of Jesus just learning from him. She was being a disciple and Jesus was just as prepared to teach her as he was to teach anyone. So, a woman. We've just had the International Day of Women uh, just this week. This, uh, this weekend in the 12th of March. And it's a reminder that around the world, women generally are still second class, if not further back. And in some parts of the world are treated still like possessions, like slaves. That was something like the scenario in the time of Jesus. So to speak to a woman, first of all, it was morally dangerous. Who knows what kind of... Uh, problems she might lead Jesus into. Women, of course, have such seductive powers over men and men are completely unable to resist them. And then why would you bother talking to a woman? What, what could a woman contribute? What could a woman learn? So Jesus broke the barrier of Samaritans. He broke the barrier of a woman. And of course, what kind of woman as well? Uh, she was coming in the heat of the day at midday to fill her bowl with water, to fill her, her um, container with water. And of course, she would only be doing that because she couldn't mix with the women who would normally come at, in the cool of the day. They'd come at daybreak, they'd come in the evening. But she was not going to be uh, welcome amongst that group of women. There would be women there, at least five probably, whose husbands she'd she'd stolen uh, uh, certainly one she'd, whose husband she'd stolen and there were women who were well aware of the other five husbands that she'd had she was in other words quite a notorious woman and not somebody people would want to mix with and yet Jesus met with her yet Jesus welcomed her spent time with her it was kind of a bit like this, the story again later on in the gospel where he's in the house of Simon the leper and, and a woman comes to anoint him with oil and she's weeping and drying his feet with her, with her hair. And the whispering is, if he knew the kind of woman she was, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. Well, of course, in Jesus's philosophy and worldview, if he knew the kind of woman she was, he would make a beeline for her. She would be precisely the kind of person he would want to spend time with, the kind of person he would want to minister to and help. So lesson number one, Jesus welcomes us all. And lesson number two, Jesus supplies us with what we need. He says to the woman, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Living water was an expression that was used for water that flowed from a stream as opposed to water that you had to draw up from a well, stagnant kind of water, so flowing water. But of course, Jesus meant it in in a, in a deeper way than that, because the living water he was talking about was the, the, the living water of the Holy Spirit. And of course, someone says, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, I'd like some of this living water. 
because that's something that uh, would save me coming to the well all the time. <clears throat> I suppose the equivalent today would be if you went to an African village and said, um, would you all like to have a tap in your house rather than come into the, to the central well to get your water? Everyone would say, oh, absolutely, I'd, I'd go for that. Jesus, of course, was offering a, a tap or a spring within her very, within her very soul. I'd like some of this, says the woman. Okay, says Jesus, go and, go and fetch your husband. Mm, I, don't, I haven't got a husband. At this point, Jesus displays the intimacy of his knowledge of it. He says, yeah, you, you're right. You, you speak correctly. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't, isn't your husband. So technically, you're right. You have no husband. You might imagine how astonished she was at this. And of course, not just astonished, but in Jesus' presence, there must have been a sense of a kind of gathering of, of, of guilt or reflection or, oops, uh, this, this man knows something about me here and, and really what he knows doesn't, doesn't put me in a very good light. Can I really be honest with him? Can I really um, hear what he's saying? I'll tell you what, let's, let's change the subject. Let's discuss religion. This business about uh, having a personal relationship with God, having living water, having God knowing intimately what my life is like, that's a bit too close for me. Let's just move in on a little bit. Oh, I see you're a prophet, she says. Now, our fathers said that you have to worship um, in this place and Jesus cuts her off he answers a question we'll come to, to the business about worship later on but the essence of what he's saying to her is look don't worry about religion about tradition focus on living water and the living water really pictures the idea that God supplies what we really need just think of the picture of somebody going to a well all the time and having to just draw something out to slake their thirst and still being thirsty after they've drunk. But then Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water I will give them will never thirst again. So the whole business of asking her about her husbands and the five husbands she's had and all this kind of thing, to me it speaks of Jesus just sort of pointing out to her that she was constantly going to the well and coming back and feeling dry. She was marrying someone. She thought that would be what she needed. It didn't work. She married somebody else. She married somebody else. She moved around. She was constantly searching for something that was going to slake her thirst, to provide her with the, the life, with the satisfaction that she craved. You won't get it in any of these substitutes. You can dig as many wells as you like. A well of money. A well of sex. A well of uh, travel and, and home and even relationships, even good things. You can dig all these wells and you can say, surely that will be something that will satisfy my thirst. But it won't. Nothing satisfies thirst 
other than the water that Jesus gives. Accept no substitute. So Jesus does answer her question about worship. Well, he says, God instituted worship in Jerusalem. It's the Jews who are worshiping the right way in the right place. But he says, that's not the main point. Whoever worships me, wherever they worship me, in Samaria, in Jerusalem, wherever they are, whoever worships me must worship in spirit and in truth. So it's not about the words you say, about the place you go, about the hymns you sing. It's not about any of these things. It's first of all about whether in your heart is this living water, this spirit that worships out towards God, that engages our soul, mind, body, strength, heart in looking to God and in offering him our thanks and our adoration. We worship in spirit and then we worship in truth. Just being carried away in spiritual uh, experiences can be quite deceptive and quite devious in some ways. Many people have fallen into those traps because they've forgotten that all of this is rooted in truth. It's rooted in what God reveals about who he is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, how the three of them in relationship together are the one God that we adore that we worship you have to know the truth and of course part of our worship is in studying is in delving into the bible is in seeking to understand more of god's truth and as we understand that expressing it in our wit witness in our worship so jesus teaches us how to worship and will teach us and will encourage us. We will know how to worship as we spend time with him and understand who he is and what he expects of us. Because the last part of the story is the woman's response to all this, or as chat GPT puts it, uh, it's our responsibility and opportunity and joy to, to witness to what we've learned of God. So the woman leaves her pot and goes back to the town and tells anyone who will listen, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. It's this sense that God really knows us, that drives us to, to witness into others. Because he knows us and yet he loves us. He knows us and yet he spends time with us. He leads us into the truth. He turns us into worshippers. He turns us into people who are in relationship with God and who are not seeking to dig wells for themselves to provide temporary satisfaction, but in whom is living water. And when people see that living water, they will also want to be refreshed. Lord, give me this water that I may never thirst again. So the woman went and told people they came. The story goes on. 
But that's the heart of it. Jesus welcomes and talks to and communicates with everyone. In our day and age, of course, that will be uh, other things than just women. It will be people from other races, from other nations. It will be the refugees, the boat people who are in the news uh, this week and, and about whom there is so much division in society. And then Jesus offers real water, real life purpose and satisfaction, not something that we try and dig out for ourselves. And Jesus teaches us how to worship. It's not that not something to get excited about and to share with others as we're able. In May Christ God enable us to do this is no in this week. Thank you, Lord, that you are someone who broke down barriers. In your life, you broke barriers between Jew and Gentile, between man and woman, between Jew and Samaritan, between sinner and those who thought they were holy men. You treat each one as we are. And we know, Lord, we're always two things everyone you deal with everyone you encounter is always those two things the sinner the the one who is far from you the one who uh, needs to be brought close but also the one in whom is the mark of god the creator we're all bearers of god's image fractured as it may be and we thank you lord that you see and you nurture God's image in us. 
Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for the living water which you give us that brings refreshment. Help us, Lord, always to be thirsty and so never to be thirsty. Help us always to be longing for you and enjoying more and more of what you want to give us. Lord, may we be worshippers. May we be people whose heart and spirit is engaged with you and who reflect back to you the truth and the honour and the glory of who you are and what you have revealed in this world. And may we share your gospel with those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen. We listen to and worship along with the song, He is Exalted. God bless you the rest of today and, and this week 
as you live out some of the things that we've learned. For our benediction today, we're going to listen to a song, Shalom Chavarim. It's a famous, well-known Hebrew folk song. Uh, Peace, my brothers, with additional words that somebody's written, which really bring a benediction on our week to come. May God bless you, brothers and sisters. Amen. <laughs>